Hi everyone, this is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Featuring your hosts, Taylor Bradley and Alex Yankovich. Yeah, every day, we're just out here. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another incredible episode of Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. We are thrilled to be back with you for what might possibly be the best episode yet. Uh, before we get going today, just a little bit of housekeeping. First off, make sure you're following us. We'll follow you. I want to see you. Let's be friends, right? You can find us on Instagram at Inside Dance Podcast. And similarly, we want to hear from you. Slide into our DMs. Let us know what's going on. Thoughts, questions, recommendations, or write us an email at our email address, which is InsideDancePodcast at gmail.com. Lastly, but certainly not least, make sure you're keeping up with our friends over at Inside Dance Magazine. You can also find them on Instagram at Inside Dance Mag. So make sure you're following, subscribing, rating, reviewing, keeping up with us because we want to keep up with you and keep this conversation going. I was going to say, uh, before we get to our community spotlight, you said that this episode might be our best one yet. But I have to say, every time we have an interview scheduled, after that interview, I am in the best mood. I'm usually like in totally. a great mood when we start, but afterwards I just feel so in the zone. I feel so knowledgeable and it makes me incredibly happy. Um, and inspired. And inspired. also, spoiler alert, I'm going to say every week it's the best episode yeah. yet because really, <laughs> I think it is no shade to our past guests. But yeah. seriously, Alex and I, I, I look forward to this every single week when we get to sit down with some of our dearest friends um, and pick their brains, which if you're joining us for the first time, what's up? It's nice to meet you. But that is exactly what we do each week. Alex and I kind of have a little chit chat conversation, catch up just because we're friends that don't get to see each other enough. And then we move on to our main event, which is inviting a special guest from a different aspect of the dance industry. We're talking, it could be concert dance, it could be backstage, it could be soloist for the Bolshoi, I don't know. Um, but we try to mix it up and pick from diverse aspects of the industry. Um, and then we just have a good conversation with that person. We get the good, the bad, the ugly, and share that with you because that is a super important um, reason for this podcast and kind of what it was born from was Alex and I are both educators, teachers, mentors, as well as dancers, but we think it is a very important goal of ours to give back to the generation below us, above us, all around us, and especially in this crazy unprecedented time that is 2020 slash 21. Um, we want to keep the inspiration high. I love that. Well, let's talk about our community spotlight this week. Oh, yeah. Um, which is so incredible. So each week we highlight either a co company, nonprofit, charity, um, something that might be really close to our guests' hearts. So this week, our community spotlight is a Chicago-based dance company founded by the incredible Stephanie Martinez, and they are called Paramar Dance Theater. They are in their inaugural season, and they've been producing works safely during the pandemic. Go team. It's amazing. Yes. Stephanie Martinez is truly a sought-after choreographer. Her credits include Joffrey Ballet, Ballet Hispanico, Luna Negra, Dance Theater, and many, many others. Yeah, wait, I'm sorry. Let's back the train up. Their inaugural season, amidst all of this, what an accomplishment to launch, create a dance company, and then continue to safely create works and kind of echoing back to what we were saying, inspiring people and keeping the love of art alive. So definitely an incredible dance company. Check them out. Um, a little bit more about them though. Their mission, so meaning together or with in Spanish, Para represents the vision, purpose, and commitment to celebrating identity and creating community through contemporary ballet. Together, with the belief that inclusion leads to innovation and dance is an essential mode of human expression, retweet. Paramar's mission is to empower and elevate diverse voices in contemporary ballet by providing performances and programming rooted in artistic excellence, radical accessibility, and reflective of the unique identities of the communities it serves. You guys have to check them out. And also, um, you can read more about the intentions of the company and you can actually donate to the company as well if you would like. Uh, please, please visit their website at www.paramardance.com or follow them on Instagram at paramar, that's P-A-R-A-M-A-R, -A -A dance. And you guys will not be disappointed. 
All right. Before we get into a little bit deeper of a conversation, I do just want to kick off with a quick game for you, T. Brad. Ooh. It's really stupid. Uh, <laughs> it's just a quick little. You're really setting the bar really, really high setting the for bar. yourself. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So we're gonna play this or that dance Ooh. edition. Oh my gosh! And these can be things like your preferences when you're watching dance, but also your preferences for yourself as a dancer. Okay. All right. Rapid fire: Lululemon or Nike? Lululemon. Left splits or right splits? Uh, both, but <laughs> li- yeah, I'm like, you have to do them all. Over splits as well, safely stretching. Um, no, for me, right splits. Okay. Jazz or contemporary? Jazz every day of my life until I die. I agree. Oliver Arnold's or Zoe Keating? Okay, those are my children. Dude, if you don't know, you need to know. Get on Spotify, get on Apple Music. They're two incredible artists. Um, okay. I'm a sucker for orchestral music. Um, mm-hmm. I also was first chair cellist. Um, I'll, I'll pull an Alex. I was first chair cellist from sixth grade to sixth grade. So <laughs> um, yeah. And then actually I have so much appreciation for anyone that plays any sort of instrument. I'm getting so off topic. This is the least rapid fire game no, ever. No, it's good. So um, long answer, even longer, uh, Zoe Keating. Okay, cool. I knew you were going to say that too. All right. Pink ballet shoes or nude ballet shoes? Mm, um nude because as a man i've never worn pink <laughs> that makes sense i like them too i think it elongates the line always love a long line um uh, for hair bun or ponytail mm. i'm gonna go with ponytail as long as it's not whipping you in your face yeah um there's something classic and beautiful about a bun i'm gonna do i'm gonna write in my own answer and say a french twist i think Ooh, french yes. twists are so beautiful and just elegant and presentational yeah. um do i know how in the hell to do one? No, not at all. But I think they look gorgeous and they're like they're, the hybrid of both, right? They're so beautiful. I also wanted to say as a, a judge for dance competitions, um, hair matters. Uh, use uh, gel and hairspray, just a mm. little PSA to those Get out of your there. face. Get out of your face. <laughs> okay, we only have four more. Trios or duets? Hmm... I love trios from a choreographic standpoint because I believe there's more opportunity for staging. Um, mm. And I think you just have, yeah, more bodies, more instruments. I love duets as well. Also, as a male dancer, I mean, I know this is cliche, but I grew up doing the male-female duet and I feel mm-hmm. like um, I feel like it's tough. I guess I, sh- I shouldn't say it's tough. It's less common to see a well-executed female-female duet in a 18 and under competition setting, which right. I challenge people to change that because I have also seen some of the most stunning, like gender neutral androgynous yeah. numbers. But I feel like at least, you know, we're talking a decade plus ago, I, it, it was uncommon. So I'm going to go with trio. Um, okay. But I'm going to raise the bar, change my mind. I, I want to see a duet that I don't, I want to love a duet without knowing That's the gender. The, yeah, yeah. I love that. Okay, improv class or partnering class? Oh, my other two I children. These are hard. <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm going to go with partnering class. And okay, I cool. I even believe, like, I just feel so much more comfortable with someone, whether it's on stage in an audition, I will partner improv over freestyle for eight eights any day. Cause then you're like, what comes next? What do I do? How do I transition out of a toe touch? Whereas like partnering, I'm like, cool, I can vibe off your energy. And and isn't it crazy that the best partnering comes from those high pressure, like go right now moments and you just don't overthink it and you're organic. So don't overthink. That's always, that's the key to success. Yeah. Partnering Um, for sure. Okay. I love that. Lip syncing during a number or no lip syncing? All or nothing. I say oh, either. <laughs> I don't care what genre, musical theater, open, extended, Afro palm. If you're going to lip sync, give me every word, but do not go back and forth. That is a big yes, competition pet peeve of mine. Like either own it, but then you have to figure out you're doing like fuetes and you're like heavy, ugly breathing. And you're like, oh, hey, mambo, mambo Italiano. Right? I have such a good story. I have such a good story, but I have to tell you when the mic's off. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, last one, shimmy or wink and smile? 
Oh, I live for a wink and smile, man. I don't mean I, to. I can't yeah, really shimmy. I can't the really use do it. of a face. Do you remember when, okay, so Chicago Sweet College working with um, Anne Ray King. Like I discovered there's 15 ways to do a shimmy and I'm, none of my 15 were the right ways. <laughs> Wait, and why was that part? Oh my God. Also, just Hot honey rag. I'm literally gonna, gonna post that whole video. It's so Do the shoulders go north south? Is it a front back? Is it a visceral <laughs> movement? But remember the head look? It was like forward, two, three, four. Look at your partner. partner. Six, seven, eight. Seven. But we had to be like really like stiff with the neck. It was like, and like the cheesy smile, like, hey. Yeah, I think there was a choreographed laugh in there too, which shout out for that. No, absolutely. Okay, I, wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not nearly as prepared as you. I didn't do my homework, but I want to give you like a couple off the top of my head. Um, okay, competing locally in your city or traveling? Locally. Really? I, I would say don't traveling. Know why. I think it just depends. Like, I, no, no joke. Like SoCal. Yeah, like the watching the other studios the other studios are just so everyone's so good like the but i feel like it's like that everywhere else so well also um, socal has like five times as many studios as all of georgia had i think so. exactly yeah there's like just plain dancing west Co- there was so much so it was like fun yeah. but also traveling is fun with your studio yeah yeah i did love that I, i'm team traveling but i just get bored i don't know imagine that yeah i feel that <laughs> um okay sequins or rhinestones rhinestones red lip or new i don't know i was so sad (laughs) yeah you were like depressed about that one (laughs) you said which lip red lip or nude lip red oh god yeah good seam fishnets (laughs) or no seam i love seam but you have to have your friends check or you need to have a full length mirror because when they're crooked it's so (laughs) disgusting (laughs) it's like when you got that one wonky lash hanging off like yeah get the corner down Yeah, this is why like my my friends and I uh, that I grew up with dancing, we're such good friends. Like we still have our group text that literally it's it's active every single week, and it's because we got used to checking each other's seams, making sure everyone's all tucked in, like ready to go. Yeah, I love that. All right, last question, Miss Dance Team: Jazz, Palm, or Hip Hop? Wow. Okay, I'm gonna say <laughs> jazz, but I've been loving hip hop routines. Yeah, I can't necessarily do them well, but I, I love like, watching them. I feel like aside, uh, hip hop has like taken on a new identity yeah. in the past five years, like with everything that Paris and like Royal Family and hip hop, yeah. like I feel like it used to be like Monsters of Hip Hop, Hip Hop International were their own. Then also we had like the jazz lyrical training conventions that were their own, like doing their thing over here. But now it's like this beautiful situation where I'm like, everyone's amazing at everything, which I love. Yeah, it's like an 80% increase in... Also acro, uh, 80%, also... <laughs> 80% increase in hip-hop routines at the competitions. <laughs> okay, Marvin Marshall. Um, yeah, okay. Well, that was fun. I love games. I have to surprise you with one next week, so... Yeah. Stay tuned, guys. All right, Alex. Well, enough games for now, because um, I love games. But um, something I want to talk a little bit about with you before we get into our main event for the evening is knowing when it's ready to move on. And I mean this in several ways, right? So knowing when it's ready to leave the comfort of your own dance studio, dance environment, knowing when it's time to take that leap into the unknown, whether that be joining a um, pre-professional company, doing a scholarship program, going to college, not going to college, um, knowing when it's time to distance yourself from toxic environments, which unfortunately, I mean, they're everywhere in life, right? But um, I feel like uh, in the dance industry too, there it, it's such a, a, a slippery slope of Um, at least it was when I was growing up of like, it was cool not to care. And it was cool to like show up late and it was cool. to. And then you're like, okay, is this cool or am I being disrespectful? So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, I just like poured out the whole pot of soup. So uh, go through pick and choose. What are your thoughts on any of that? Yeah. Well, I have great 
I have the life experience of it, like from my time at love, but first I do want to talk about studios because I think every studio goes through that period of time where like a big chunk of students will leave mm-hmm. and they go somewhere else and, or they end up just not dancing anymore, which is fine. But I remember there was a time at my studio when there was a big transition and a bunch of people wanted to pick up and go to a different studio. And, you know, my studio was like seven minutes away from us. It was really close. Both my parents worked full time. So getting me there was a big issue. And so, uh, even though it was seven minutes away, like I can't imagine if I was practicing somewhere that was an hour or 30 minutes, like a lot of other people did. But I think when all those people were leaving, like my mom and I definitely had, and my sister as well, had a conversation. Okay. What are the pros and cons? Like, what are you getting out of leaving and what are you getting out of staying? And it turned out for us that staying was better. And I'm so glad I did because it was the right choice at the time. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, going to your point of knowing when to leave, I feel like make it sounds so stupid, making a pro con list, like really in depth, talk, talk about the financials with the studio. Like if you're going to uh, get better bang for your buck somewhere else, then have that conversation. If the, tr- like what the commute is like, what the teachers are like, what the loyalty is like, is that, is that environment toxic? Are the teachers wanting you to get better? Or are they just trying to, you know, squeeze you for every single penny? So mm-hmm. I think it's good to kind of have uh, those lists. It's hard when you're young. It's hard when you're under 18. I, I feel like I was really aware of my naivete at the time, but with love, you know, yeah. I knew when it Backstory. was time. So how long yeah. were you at the show and, and kind of what was your deciding factor to leave? Well, th- yeah, this is super interesting because... Uh, I hear a lot of people turn down being presented for Cirque. So I got the call asking me if I would like to be presented, which meant I was already in the database. They were looking at me and four or five other girls to fill this position. So they first ask you if you want to be presented. And then if all goes well, they offer you the contract. So I've heard people turn that down and like no shade to them. If they don't at the time, like if they don't want to be presented, you know, and that is your choice. Mm -hmm. At the time I had no doubt. I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's go. They offered me, I was so lucky to get the contract. I was like, yes, let's do it. Like move in in three days. Um, but for me, I'm very, I'm very focused on squeezing the juice out of everything that I think is worth. Yeah. Like love is such an amazing experience working for Cirque, such an amazing experience. I knew I wanted to uh, work my way up. I knew there were certain tracks in the show, soloist tracks that I really wanted to be able to have the chance to not prove myself, but have that experience of working mm-hmm. on a character and building a character. And I was at love for, yeah, I was at love for almost five years, ended up being like a little over four and a half. And I knew I was ready to leave about a year and a half before that. But I also had the pressures of finances. Cool. You're going to walk away from a job. Like you need to make sure you're saving your money. And it's hard to have a game plan to be like reaching out to teachers. But luckily, you know, I was moving back to Southern California. So I did have a lot of those connections that I grew up with that I had to reach out to. And I've realized, you know, there was a lot of people I was afraid to reach out to. And then I did. And I was like, wait, that wasn't so scary. Why was I scared of that? But you, you do know, and I 150,000% knew that it was my time. And especially because I had booked that job right out of college, I still have this list of things that I want to conquer. And not that I'm racing against the clock because I'm healthy and, and active and I do all of that conditioning, but it's still kind of a race against the clock. Like I, I'm totally. not going to be able to do like a Nickelodeon job probably in a few years. Like if that's going to be the time, it's going to be now, depending right. on how things go. So I just, there's so many more experiences that I want to have. So that's like the driving force. But, but yeah, what about you? That's actually, I'm going to, I know it's a lot. That's a no, lot. no, no. I will. I asked for a lot. Remember I spilled the soup, which what is that analogy? Why did I even, I love it though. I don't know. Um, going back to what you're saying, I always thought of um, my dance career as like a limited time frame. Um, obviously the, there isn't much structure, I would say, in the dance industry, um, especially now more than ever, because things are changing. We're having more access to resources. You know, all the things we've touched on in our recent episodes with athletic training and um, Alex, you're and I's favorite word, longevity. longevity. Say it with us, kids. Longevity. <laughs> um, 
So the timeline has really been skewed in a positive way for us mm-hmm. in that we're True. not, we're not just dancing until we're 30 and then you're done. It's, you know, you're dancing into 40 beyond, you know? Um, and I mean, I think back to like our professors at school, like Sam and yeah. Doug, you know, it, it's very much a, I think mental state as much as it is a physical state, obviously take care of your mental and your physical states and that will help. But I always viewed my dance career as like tokens, like, okay, well, if you're going to spend a year in LA, that's one token, you know, are you sure you want to do that? And then I was finding myself trapped in this idea of fear of my own limitations of my own career, right? Obviously that shifted a little bit as I've gotten older. um, And as I've been fortunate enough to work with and meet people that are still killing it, dancing into their late 40s, you know? And so that's super inspiring for me. Um, And spoiler alert, for our special guest um, today, he is an incredible, incredible example of this, right? Just knowing if your heart and your passion is laser focused and set on it, as long as you accommodate and coordinate your lifestyle, as such, there's no stopping you, right? It's only you against mm-hmm. you. So, um, so how are you going to help yourself get there and achieve that goal? So I've shifted away from tokens and coins and this limited, oh gosh, I only have this many years into, hey, am I happy doing what I'm doing now? If you're not happy, right. it's time to leave. You know what? Because if you exactly around what I found, I love what you brought up about financial stability because that's the reality. It can be our passion all day yeah. long. And we can improv in a dark room, but the bills and the mortgage and the rent and all that's still yeah. going to be there. And so we have to be realistic in that. And I think it comes from a place of knowing when to move on. Um, kind of focusing more on the more professional side of things. I want to circle back to the younger 18 college studio years in a moment, but um, yeah, knowing and trusting your gut. If you're feeling burnt out, if you're like, oh, I have to go to work today, I have to do this, which we all have our days, right? But if you're feeling continuously down in the dumps, it's time to leave, right? So then you need to flip the switch in your brain and be like, hey, let's start looking ahead. Like you, you're such a good example of this. You're always emailing people. You're always thinking ahead. But with that comes saving up, you know, knowing that you may not be able to work. Who was it? I think when we had Jen Stafford on, she was like, I just saved all my, she said it was her uh, censored effort money, right? You just can move to LA for six months and not worry and focus on your craft. And I think that's so important as a dancer, because if you don't leave, you're going to build a bad reputation for yourself. And that's going to affect your higher ability so much more. Moving Exactly. Forward. You took the words out of my mouth because being jaded is the worst quality. And I think I was just constantly aware of that. And I, I, I don't want to pump my own tires, but I will. I felt like I did bring a positivity to it's love and, and I, I, Right? Yeah, being professional. And so, um, and I did, I did feel like, oh my God, if I come out of this jaded, like, like love is so special to me. I wanted it to be the perfectly wrapped gift. Mm-hmm. And I think with any job that I love, I want it to be, I want to have a good reputation with it when I leave. And in order to do that, like you said, like you have to make those decisions and like, it's just good to be aware. I think we get used to just being dancers and like, doing our counts and all that, but always being aware of how we're feeling, how our work environment is, how we're affecting other people, making sure if we are toxic for a day, making sure that we're addressing it and making sure we're um, building those good relationships with relationships, excuse me, with people, especially. Yeah. We hear it in our interview. Yeah. too. Um, I mean, it's so true, but so let's, let's rewind the clock a little bit too. Um, I remember it's so tough. Talk about there being uncertainty once you're in the professional world. There's even less yeah. certainty when you're a 17, 18 year old from Roswell, Georgia, who's like, I want to go to LA and I know everything that I'm doing because I was Mr. Star Power right. once upon a time, right? And it's <laughs> so, um, by the way, I was never Mr. Star Power. I was first runner up Mr. Star Power. Joe Chantry beat me. Um, Joe, if you're listening, I love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Still bitter. <laughs> Still bitter. Fun fact, we had the same birthday. But um, uh, no, it's you have to, it's so daunting, I feel like. And I feel like it's very limiting to a lot of dancers to be the best in your dance studio and you're 18 years old. And then whether or not you have the support of your family and your parents, which I hope everybody would, but it's like, am I willing to be at the bottom of the totem pole again? Am I willing to be a freshman? Am I willing to be an apprentice in a pre-professional company? Am I willing to put my ego aside to further my passion and my career? 
And that's something that is really hard to swallow. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck there. So, um, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing, right? Who am I to say, what's going to bring you happiness with dance? If you want to, if, if that's where you want to stop your training and then go on to teach, beautiful. I love it. I'm here for it. If that's where you're going to stop your training and just stop because you're scared to be the rookie at something, that's when I'm like, okay, no, come on, close your eyes, take the leap because yeah. nobody, nobody was just always the best, right? It's, it's so true. The, the, the beauty of our industry and of life, it's, it's moving from amateur to rookie to pre-professional to professional. You just have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, again, as our guest is going to echo later, it's like, you can't let that fear and you can't let that anxiety get in your head. You have to just boldly step forward, hopefully with a nice pointed turned out foot through a Tom Lee into the unknown of the dance career. And if it doesn't work, great. But if it does, and who's to say it won't, it's going to be beautiful. Exactly. And a lot of that comes reframing like your language with yourself. So Mm, I have to go, I have to go to this audition. Like I have to do it instead of I get to go to this audition. Like I have the chance to go to this audition. So for those of you guys who are feeling those anxieties and those insecurities. That's a really good tool. And it sounds really simple. And like, would that really work? It totally does. I do that with times where I'm like, I have to go to the grocery store. It's like, nope, I get to go to the grocery store. I get to like drive, drive out and like buy food. Like that's, Let's go I, get sprouts. To, I get to have a selection, like reframe everything, but especially with as thick of a skin as you have to have in the dance industry. And as much as it, it will, you know, lower your self-esteem. Sometimes you have to reframe reframe those sentences and like pick it back up and keep going. Well, and going back to our original theme of taking yourself out of toxic environments, what are the people you're surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with, I don't want to go to class. I, oh, I I can't, (laughs) I know I have to go where, you know, it's like, if you want it, you're going to want it and you're going to make it work. And it's cliche, but you are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. So surround yourself with people that uplift you, that support you, that push you with love and positivity and don't drag you down with that negative energy, right? Because life's too short and this industry is too beautiful to, to later in life say, Oh, I wish I could have. What if I, you know, do it now. Do it now. I love that. Wow. We got deep there. (laughs) y'all. Spiritual. Getting cathartic, which is my favorite SAT word. Okay, well, let's shake all that off for a moment. But guys, please stick around. We have an incredible interview coming up. Alex and I are so thrilled to welcome a dear friend, huge inspiration and big mentor to us both, Miguel Perez. Miguel has danced for everybody, concert, commercial. We're talking River North Dance, Chicago, Body Traffic in LA, Shania Twain, Celine Dion, including her national tour, excuse me, international tour. So definitely hang tight. Uh, You don't want to miss all the knowledge that we're going to drop on you soon. So stick around. All right, everyone, let's please welcome the amazing, the incredible Miguel Perez. Woo, woo, woo. What's up, Miguel? Hi, everyone. We're so excited to have you on. How are you doing? How is everything going? I'm doing well. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, things are blooming. Things are changing. Um, I got my COVID shot. So, you know, that was that was a big relief. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, um, we're good. Staying busy. You know, so I feel lucky. Good. Blooming. I'm telling you, how many times am I going to say in this podcast, I am a plant? And it's so true because now we're transitioning into spring and it's like, yeah, breath of fresh air, new opportunities, getting outside, um, getting well. I love that. Well, um, you are in Virginia, West Virginia, Virginia, Virginia. Okay. No West, just, just the OG Virginia. (laughs) Um, Well, that's awesome. Well, for um, our listeners that don't know, Miguel, Alex, and I actually have a pretty interesting relationship that goes far back. Um, We are all proud uh, alumni of the University of Arizona, go Wildcats. Um, And we all have worked with each other um, sporadically in and out. We all lived in Las Vegas for a period of time. So we've shared many of stages and rehearsal rooms and audition processes together. So um, Alex and I are just so thrilled to have you on, Miguel, um, to pick your brain and share your years of knowledge. You guys, this man has done everything under the sun. And so um, get your notepad out, get ready for some goodness today. 
Um, but Alex, let's go ahead and kick it off, shall we? Yes. Awesome. Well, we were so excited to have you on because you're kind of the um, not poster child. I, I hate kind of using that word, but you're someone we all look up to because you don't you've basically done everything in the dance world, commercial, concert, and you don't put yourself into boxes. You kind of are there to experience everything, which I love about you so much. So for our listeners, tell us where you're from, what your dance background is and how you've kind of blossomed. Okay, cool. The the theme of the this plan. episode is, is blossom. <laughs> yeah. Blooming. <laughs> tell us your story. Um, uh, I'm from originally from Tucson, Arizona. Um, and I started dancing, I would say, around 14, 15, doing Mexican folklore and flamenco. Um, it's amazing. And yeah, and then I think I just, I might have taken like one ballet class, uh, maybe like a little African class here and there. So the company that I was with, um, we used to do like the history of Arizona and then the history of Mexico. And when we did the history of like Arizona, we brought in like um, different genres like Zutsu and like Santana. And so we might've done like a little bit of jazz. At that point, I had no idea. I had no training, you know, like, um, so we were dabbling, I guess, in, in all kinds of genres, which I didn't know at that time. And there was a, a guy who had gone to the University of Arizona, he was getting his master's and he told me about the program at U of A. And I had no idea that you could actually even go to school and, and get a dance degree. Um, so long story short, I ended up going my senior year. I took a, a jazz class at U of A and I was just in love. I was obsessed with it. Um, I, you know, I would go home, I would keep training. I would stay in the rehearsals. Like I would ask all the professors, I was like, Hey, can I just watch, you know? And they're like, sure, just be part of the room. And so after that year was over, um, I was offered a four-year scholarship to U of A and that's kind of where I, I say officially, like a lot of my training started, you know, at 18, because that's when I was really taking ballet, my first modern class, you know, and jazz class. Um, and so that's kind of where all of my training started. And that's kind of where my career ended up starting from and, and, and it went from there. Um, when I was there, they would also offer some scholarships to different programs. And I ended up winning um, like two summer programs to River North Chicago Dance Company. And after like the first uh, summer, they asked me if I wanted to stay. And I was like, you know, I'm not ready. I here I'm from Tucson, Arizona. And then, I'm, you know, Chicago, which I was just like blown away, like, you know, big eye, like, what is this city? Where am I? And so I was like, I need more training. And I went back again the following summer. And they're like, okay, now we want to offer you a performing apprenticeship. And I still wasn't ready. I just felt mature enough. Like I was just like, I can't, you know, maybe dance wise, but, you know, I just didn't feel mature enough to, to move to a big city. So like, okay, after your, after this next year, there'll be a position um, waiting for you. So that was kind of pretty amazing to know that in a year I would have, a, I would have a job. Um, one of the things that I kind of regret, you know, you, you don't really want to have regrets in, in life, but I didn't finish um, my degree at the University of Arizona. And that was something that I talked to all of my professors about, you know, I asked them, I was like, do I have your blessing? Can I leave? Should I, I'm not sure. Should I stay? And they were like, go pursue your career, you know, and, and I ended up leaving. And, and you know, I, I did see a lot of people who graduated and didn't necessarily, you know, get a job. So I was like, okay, I have this opportunity. So let me go. And I'm glad I went, you know, I wouldn't have had the career I, I have now if I wouldn't have gone. But, you know, that's something that I do want to go back to and eventually like, finish the goal that I have uh, checked off uh, on the list. But um, yeah, and then I danced in Chicago for six years. I danced with River North Chicago. Hubbard Street too. Um, and like you said, I, I didn't want to be a dancer, like just in one box. I wanted to be a dancer that did all kinds of different things. So then I decided to audition for Celine Dion in Vegas and I ended up getting the job. So then I moved to Las Vegas. I danced there for about two years. Then the show closed. And then, you know, we heard about a tour that was happening and I was like, Oh my God, I just joined the show. There's no way I'm dancing with 50 talented dancers. There's no way I'm going to get this job. Plus they opened it up to everyone. Like I had to go to an audition where there were 800 men, like 2000 women or something like that. And again, the stars aligned and I ended up getting the tour for Celine Dion. So where I was like dance captain and yeah, that was just an unbelievable experience. And so throughout my career, you know, I dabbled from being doing commercial work to going back to concert work because I missed it. A lot of that, you know, that's where my passion lie, you know, being in the studio for eight hours a day, rehearsing, sweating, you know, when people come to see you in the show, it's about you, not necessarily about the singer. 
you know, so I felt like that was always rewarding. I'm like, oh my God, we're getting a sand ovation. Like they, you know, appreciate all the sweat and tears that we were giving, you know, like all that time that we spent. So um, yeah. And I mean, I can talk a little bit more later about all the stuff that I've done, but yeah, there's, I've been very fortunate. I've been very lucky. So I feel blessed. Thank you. You touched on so many good points. I just want to bring it back to the beginning because we actually have a lot of teachers and instructors who listen. And I think it's really important to encourage teachers and, you know, we're all educators as well to always believe and encourage your students because with you, it just took those teachers believing in you and university of Arizona saying like, here's a scholarship, like giving you opportunity is so important. Even when you're teaching a million classes, it's easy to get frustrated with, with your students. And so always remember to like pay attention because that changed the trajectory. I mean, you would have, you would have, you're so talented. You would have figured it out along the way, but it's really important for teachers to remember to stay. And I have to remind myself all the time too, but I love that so much. I love that you reflect on possibly going back to get your degree. But like you said, things worked out so well for you and some, and the professors were right spot on to be like, this opportunity is being presented to you, you have to take it. And that's something I think as dancers, like we want to follow the blueprint and it's good to stay on the blueprint until that blueprint doesn't serve you. So I think that's amazing. I think it's really great that you've had that reflection on it. That makes me so happy. I think that point that you brought up, I mean, where the teachers saw something in me when I didn't see something in myself. And I have like, now that I'm teaching more, I feel like I tried to look out for those people as well. You know, I'm always trying to pay it forward because I felt like someone gave me that opportunity. So I'm always looking, cause I mean, you never know, you know, like I feel you can be a great dancer, you can teach it, but you know, when someone has it in them, like they were born to dance, that's, that's something special. That's different. And if you just, you know, guide them, you know, and nurture that talent, you, I mean, you don't, you don't know where that's going to lead, you know, and, and, and you're right. You know, sometimes we teach classes and we forget, but, Maybe you said something to someone that that's going to change their life. You changed them in a new, you know, gave them a new path or something else to look out for. So I, I definitely hold that responsibility of, of teaching very highly. Um, so I'm always trying to make sure I'm present you know, at all times for that. Absolutely. And I love, Alex, the word that you used was blueprint. And I feel like... Um, <clears throat> I always compare the dance industry to like um, the corporate ladder or like a business program, right? Whereas there's a very structured ABC, how you climb this ladder. The dance industry is literally none of that, right? It's the most like flexible blueprint ever. So I have to give props to all of your teachers, all of your professors, because it is very hard as an educator, you get personal connections with your students. And sometimes it's hard to let them go, right? It's hard to let baby bird leave the nest. But when baby bird is being offered contracts for like some of the most sought after concert dance companies in the world, like it takes a very big educator to say, you know what? Yes, it is your time to fly and leave the nest. And I think you're such, you say you're lucky. I think it's lucky mixed with skill, mixed with hard work, mixed with determination. Cause Miguel, you are one of the hardest, hardest working dancers, choreographers, teachers that I know. Like, I, I don't think I see you sitting still for more than 10 minutes. And that's just a testament to, to your career, right? Um, that it's a no brainer when there's 800 dancers in the room, it's like you draw the eye. And so call it luck if you want, but I think it's a combination of success and support from your educators along with just following your passion and saying, forget the blueprint, right? <laughs> but um, so you touched on a lot of great, incredible, like dream jobs um, in your first few years of dancing. Um, and I know there's still a few more in the pot, but what would you say um, would be your favorite, like either job or moment from a job? Um, and why is that? I think... Um, probably one of the, my memories that stand out the most of like, or, you know, from my career that I I love the best was when I was with Celine Dion, you know, again, I I talked a little bit about that and we went on tour and I remember, you know, working so hard and still pinching myself because I'm like, how did I get this job? Um, this little, you know, this little Latin boy from Tucson, Arizona is like, now on, you know, on this plane heading to Africa to perform with Celine Dion. And I'm still not like, what's going to happen? Like, do I still have this job? Always second guessing myself through the whole process of training for the show, you know, putting it together. And then finally, like being 
like when when sh- when it's showtime and we were in one of the stadiums that they have kind of like World Cup in, and there was like sixty thousand people like watch. It's like there's so many people that you couldn't even see like faces. They just saw lights and people were flashing, and that energy that you felt as you walked on the stage was like something that I had never experienced before. So I always hold on to that. Um, it was it was like overwhelming but then you fed off of it i'm like i felt like i had like the greatest show because i was like okay they're here you know yes they came to see her but you know we're also it's also our job to you know to do a good job you know to put on a good show and just after the show was over like their appreciation for all of us you know it's just uh yeah it was just such a uh, incredible moment in my career you bring up such a good point about um obviously i mean celine dion incredible singer but i always say you see visually before you hear things. And so it's so interesting to be a dancer for one of the world's most iconic voices, um, but to have that support from her and be like, you are taking center stage and you do have this moment. You are gonna give me a flamenco cape solo and all eyes are gonna be on you. And that's that's so powerful. And it's, I, I just have to commend her as an artist for um, for sharing that and believing in the arts across the board, right? It's not just look at me, I'm the star and you step touch behind me, right? She gives that opportunity. Not that this is a Celine Dion podcast, but still, I just, I, I, I think that's such a beautiful, beautiful thing and powerful in a mega arena of 60,000 people, right? She's, I mean, she was incredible. She always, like, you never really felt like you were just like a backup dancer. You know, she held, held us to like such high, you know, esteem with her. And even in the show in Vegas that we were with her, you know, she made sure we had training like every day we would have a new dance class and they would bring in all of these choreographers or dancers from all over the world because she felt like if the dancers are happy then the show would be great you know that's how every job should be right like if you treat your employees well they'll stay forever and they'll want to work with you you know you know to eternity whatever um and so she always did that for us and you know she always treated us well where we were on tour you know the way we were being fed the way she interacted with us. Um, I still have moments of that I've gone back and I've kind of done some dance lessons with her and she still, you know, like hugs me and, and remembers me and, and never treated me like, oh, you were just like my backup dancer. So I, I think that's amazing because I've heard experiences of other performers, you know, that haven't had that, you know, and that's sad because you work up to this level and you're like, oh my God, I'm here. And then you don't get treated how you should. It's like, I mean that we can go on a whole other topic of how dancers are treated sometimes in this industry, but you know, I was fortunate to not really have that in my career. Talking to you, I feel like, and other people who were also a part of Celine's show, Celine's show was like the vehicle from like super trained, like almost like classically trained dancers. Like that show was like the vehicle to like into the commercial world. Cause I feel like everybody was kind of discovered like they were that high caliber technique and that strength that was needed for her show. But then you got to meet this whole new group of people and you're in that show aspect where a lot of the technicians and the directors have also worked other shows. So what was that transition after going into those other jobs that you did? Like I know Showstoppers was a little bit more recent, but everything else after that, I mean, it must, all all the doors must've been open. Yeah, well, one of the things that was amazing about that job, like you were saying, um, there were so many artists from all over the world. There was 50 dancers. That doesn't really happen. Like, to, to me, I think it's probably the best job that has ever been around, just be, overall, of how they treated their dancers, the amount of people, you know, the pay, our, you know, our vacation. Like, there's so many things that came along with that job. Um, but I just felt so fortunate because I was working with 50 people from all over the world and were so talented. People who had these amazing careers and then were here, you know, like to do like maybe their last job or this was a stepping stone. You know, there are people who are like principal dancers from Alvin Ailey or like these amazing companies from all over the, of the world. Um, so I was definitely like just honing in. Like I always hung out with always, I would say like the more mature dancers because it's not necessarily about age, but I was just so inspired by how they were at the top of their game, what they were doing, like how they trained. You know, and, and that's what I took to with me to do all these other jobs, like you were saying. Um, and I used those skills, you know, when I would, you know, when I would audition for a different job or when I would, you know, be on a on a set or stuff like that. I was like, okay, how did they do it? Like, how did I train? Or like, you know, so I think all of that 
really helped me in my experience. It really taught me a, a lot, but, and I think yeah. that's, yeah. No, I love that. And it's, yeah, it, it's, I was just uh, responding to an interview about something very similar to this. It's like, what's the biggest advice you can give to dancers? And it was just that it's know your network and know the people that you're with are probably going to be the people that were, are going to catapult you or at least help you get your next job, right? It's so talent is only one third of it, but it's, can you be a sponge and absorb from the people that have been doing this for five, 10, 15 years beyond you? Um, and so I, I'm so grateful for you that you had that experience. And um, again, being someone that's worked with you, I feel like I'm grateful to be a sponge to you and all of your knowledge. Um, but you did, you touched on age and maturity, which I think are two incredibly very different um, aspects when it comes to the dance world. So because you've had such an amazing long career, well, first off, I'm, I'm convinced you're a vampire because you don't age, like you physically don't. But um, when it comes to doing everything, concert dance, um, commercial dance, touring on the road internationally. What is your tip? Like, what would you say is your go-to? This is what keeps me mentally, physically, and emotionally in shape so I can pursue my craft. Um, yeah, I think people don't realize when they see dancers, they think, okay, they train, you know, a few hours and then they go on stage and that's their thing. But um, it's actually like a lifestyle. Like, you know, when I was performing, when I was dancing at the height of my career, it's just, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, it's like what you're putting into your body, how you're getting ready for the day, you know, like, um, and it was different when I was in, um, more in the concert world, I, I trained differently. You know, I would show up before class, we were training in class, we would run rehearsal, blah, blah, blah. And then we would end the day and then I would cool down and make sure I was taking care of my body. Um, sometimes when I was doing commercial work, you know, which it can be a little bit about your, um, appearance. I was making sure that I was going to the gym and I had to work out, you know, because they wanted the backup dancer to be like fit, you know, I would walk to an audition and I would get cut, you know, the way I looked. So I just wanted to make sure I was always present. Um, but I always had that mentality of, I had my goal. This is what I was going to do. And I, no, nothing was getting my, going to get in my way, whether it was like, Oh, people are going out to party. Great. That's amazing. But I have a job to do. So I'm not going to do that. You know, I just wanted to make sure I was always, ready and healthy. Um, and I was thinking when you guys uh, gave me this question, how, and you guys know when we're living in Vegas, it's hard, you know, to put sometimes good nutrition in your body when you're done at midnight after you like took off all your makeup and the only thing that's open is Sonic and you don't want to cook, you know? So I remember those times that I was also like, oh yeah, I was younger. I could burn all of that a lot faster, you know, but, but now I, I don't even eat that kind of stuff. I would probably never go there, but I, I just think, yeah, just always, yeah, mentally, physically, just always being ready, being healthy um, was, was the key. I, I, I believe I'd, I might've had like maybe one small injury throughout my career. And I think it's because of all of that, that, I, that I've done, you know, cause I, I worked with some 20 year olds at Cirque and, and they came into the job a little bit new and they didn't know their, their regiment. And they thought they could just, you know, jump up and do the show. And they were the ones getting hip replacements and knee surgeries. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So I must be doing something right. You know, if I'm like 20 years older and I'm still kicking. So it's, oh, I love it. I'm like so passionate about longevity. Like I, I don't think a podcast goes by where we don't talk about it. That's just always something my parents have always talked to me about is longevity and trying I used to get so upset at people when I was like 12 and people like, well, you only have till 30 to get your dance career taking off. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe if you're a ballerina, but even then like ballerinas can totally surpass that, but I'll never forget at U of A, I was taking extra singing classes and this opera singer came in and she told us her regimen for her life. She said, I don't eat dare. I don't eat or drink dairy. I don't drink alcohol. I don't talk to people if I don't want to like her. She's, she was like the hand model where the hand models, like I wear sunscreen. I wear gloves. I don't Not open the hand model. <laughs> yeah. I don't open doors. I don't open windows. I don't do anything. And like, obviously you still want to live your life, but I definitely took that. I was like, okay, she is committed. And I think commitment in our industry is what separates a lot of people. It's like, okay, I'm committing to this 100% mind, body, and soul. And that gets a, I feel like that gets us super attached to it, but I'd rather be super attached and committed to something and do it full out, not just at rehearsal 
like 24 seven. So you said all the, all the perfect things that I seriously, they just make me so happy. Yeah. I mean, it's what Taylor was saying earlier about, you know, how he was saying, yeah, it's luck, but it's also the hard work. And I believe, you know, and I tell my students all the time, I was like, everyone is talented in the room. Everyone has talent. It's what you do with it. That matters. It's like how you pursue, when you think you're doing enough, just know that someone somewhere else is even doing more, you know, and, and those are the ones that are going to succeed. It's like the ones that almost be, make it like a little bit of an obsession, right? Like where you're just so passionate about what you're going to do and, and nothing's going to get in, get in your way. Um, and you have your goal and, and, you know, you're just going towards that, you know, you see it um, and you just got to like manifest it, you know, but it's, it's because of the work that you put into it. You know, you have to be willing to do more than somebody else. And you might, you know, your talent might get you that first job, but it's not going to give you, like you talked about longevity. It's not going to give you your career. That's what gives you your career. No, I, I love it. I know. I want, <laughs> Alex and I honestly need to start another podcast called <laughs> longevity of a dancer's career. Um, you can be our third co-host, but um, so we continue with a multitude of incredible jobs. Cirque, Shania Twain, to name a few, body traffic. Um, but currently you're living in OG Virginia, not West Virginia, which I want to discuss because, um, you know, Kelsey Walsh, who's another great friend of ours, she's living in Austin, Texas. And I remember when she, she moved there from LA and I was like, girl, what are you doing? And she's like, I've decided I love dance, but I don't need my city to limit my dance career. And I feel like you're another incredible example of that. So can you kind of just explain um, what brought you to Virginia, what you're doing there now and how you're still finding finding your place in the dance community there um so the reason i moved to virginia was because i met my husband um yay you got married and i figured it would be an easier transition for me to move to um to richmond and when i visited richmond it had a lot of art um you know before COVID, sadly and everything started to shut down but there were musicals and there were universities that had dance programs and performing arts schools so i figured I, I felt confident enough that I could move here and, and find work. Um, and so that was the big, you know, the big push to be like, okay, j- jump off this cliff, you'll, you'll be fine. And, and, you know, we do that all the time in our careers. And we, we're always at the same place. We're like, oh my God, I don't know if it's going to work out. But that's every job that we do. You know, we're like, is it going to work out? And it does. So I figured I was like, I've jumped enough, you know, and I've landed on my feet enough times. So this will be okay. And of course I had to, you know, I had to start back at, you know, at, you know, the, the bottom, I had to kind of put my name out. I was sending resumes out, you know, living in Vegas with all of you guys, everyone knows us, you know, like, because it's such a small community. We all know each other. Hold on. I just have to hold the phone. Imagine you are just a small, like Tammy's tap and twirl and Virginia beach, Virginia, and you get a resume and it's like, yeah, I was Celine Dion soloist on her tour internationally. Like, what do you say to that? (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Like, how did you end up in Richmond? And, you know, then I had to tell the whole story. Um, but I also knew I, I was living in Vegas and I thought I would never be tired of performing. I thought that fire would never just, you know, dull. But I remember my last show and I was just like, I don't, I don't feel the same way. And I was starting to teach a lot more, you know, throughout my career I taught, but the last few years I was doing a lot of that. And I felt that's where, where my passion was. And so I was like, okay, um, I think that's where I want to pursue my next career, you know? And so moving to Richmond, that opened up a lot of doors. Um, I've been teaching at University of Richmond. Um, I taught at VCU. I've taught at like a lot of different schools around, around town in North Carolina, you know, as much as I could without leaving the bubble, you know, um, during COVID. And it just opened up a lot of doors. Like I, I just choreographed my, my first uh, musical, Fame. It just finished rapping a few days ago. And I was super nervous about that. I had never done something like that before. Um, and also another responsibility that I have at U of R is I'm a rehearsal director. So I'm getting to be in the room with all these other choreographers and you know, taking notes and seeing how they work, which has also you know, taught me a lot about choreography, how I want to be a choreographer. So I, I think I, I'm where I meant to be, even though I kind of you know, was worried about it, I think this was the right place. I was at the right place at the right time. Um, I, I was lucky to leave Vegas before everything shut down. 
Um, so that I also felt really lucky because I, I felt like if I was in Vegas, what else would I be doing, you know, um, with my career? And, and if my husband moved, what, what would that happen? So I think everything aligned in, in, the, in the right way. So, And it just takes for people, a few people to know your name, a few people to know your name, know your resume and get to meet you once. And then it, from there, it all just floods and it's amazing. And also Jack of all trades, choreographing a musical fame, upbeat, all of that, but also you're an incredible contemporary choreographer too. And very, that's very intentional and genuine. So I just love that you, you just take the opportunities that are given to you and you run with them, which I think is just so important for everyone to understand. Also, I'm going to make a coffee table book of all the emails that people send out to like potential jobs. Like the amount of emails I send just like in the past six years where I'm like, Hey, this is who I am. and <laughs> Please get to know me. It's, it's vulnerable, but it's important. I feel like with dancers, it's not an application process or choreographers. You have to reach out individually or get to know people and then build your circle. So it's tough. And it it can be humbling too, you know, because I mean, I felt that even in the commercial world, like we could get off of the Celine Dion tour, but then I still had to audition with everybody else. It wasn't always, um, oh, because you did this, you're going to get this. I think what helps is, and, and there's another lesson is, you know, just be nice to everybody that you work with. You know, because you just never know those relationships that you, you know, had, at the, you know, in the past or who you went to school with. That's how I, a lot of the time I get my work or that's how my name gets out there. You know, not necessarily like because I threw a resume out because I feel like I've done a lot and I get no responses. But they're like, oh, he taught here. Or I knew him from this or, you know, so that's been a great thing for me. I feel like it's so it's. Um, such a juxtaposition, right? Like we love, we train, especially like, you know, like the little young ones and like jazz too. It's like, oh, you got to be a diva, right? You got to own it. You got to have that confidence. So like, we think we love the deep. Nobody likes the diva. Nobody wants to work with the diva. Nobody cares who you've danced with. Like going back to my, my, um, joke earlier like yes i'm sure it it must be very daunting to be like in a smaller town and be like wow this is such an incredible resume but what is so beautiful about you miguel is that you don't come off in that way at all and that again speaks volumes to why you get rehired so dancers listen up it doesn't matter who you worked for who you're signed with you know, it, it just all comes down to what is your attitude in the audition room? What is your attitude with those around you? And that is that same network we were talking about that's going to get you rehired over and over again. So props to you. Bravo. <laughs> um, for our last question for you, I wish we could talk for literally hours. Um, hours. Hours. But what what or who are your, is that correct grammar? Uh, people call me out who or what are your biggest ins- inspirations um, right now. And it can be, it doesn't have to be in the dance industry. It can be entertainment in general, but I feel like it changes for us and I'm sure it changes as you know, we continue to grow. So what is that for you? Um, I have a few. Um, my mother has always been, you know, someone who inspires me. I mean, this woman came from Mexico, worked really, really hard, raised a family sometimes on her own, you know, and never, like I never felt like I didn't have any, everything that I needed, you know, and, and she's getting to retire in two days, which is amazing. I'm, I'm so happy for her, but yeah, she's just, she had that work ethic that I feel like I saw her and I'm like, okay, that's how I'm going to, you know, live by. And so with that, that's, I think that helped me throughout my career. Yeah. How hard she was um, at working. And I was like, okay, I want to follow that suit. And then I have, um, like two friends of mine right now, because before COVID hit, like I was in the process of starting a company. Um, it was not like going to be called Conflux and I did it. And I had all of these self doubts and stuff like that. And then I had two friends of mine that decided to go ahead and open up, you know, these companies, even though things were shutting down, but they, they felt like, you know, this is the perfect time to, you know, to, for people to hear their own voices. And so one of my friends is Stephanie Martinez. Um, and she has a company called Paramar in, Paramat, if you can say, in Chicago, who's doing some amazing work. And another friend of mine is Usha Sorzano that has another company, Zyjet, uh, Zyjet, um, like in California. Um, and yeah, these, these women have always been inspiration to me like as performers. Um, 
they're incredible. Some of the most beautiful souls, some of those beautiful, you know, looking <laughs> amazing women. And the fact that they're now, you know, making these paths for themselves and starting these companies, I think it's just kind of unbelievable. And it pushes me to, you know, to do, to do more, to then maybe be like, okay, well, maybe I should just pursue my dream and, and, and keep going with the company instead of just, you know, tucking it away. I was like, if they did it and they're being successful at it, you know, it's might as well, might as well try. So that's amazing. And just like you said at the beginning about, you felt like you weren't ready when you were doing river North and those things, but you figured it out a lot of times, like the timing, like, you know, when you're ready, but sometimes you're not ready and you just go for it and you figure it out along the way. And I know there's always like financials and it's a business and LLC and all that, Mm -hmm. that stuff, which, uh, is a whole nother discussion, but yeah, it's like, sometimes you just, you just have to go for it. And, and trust your intuition when you know, you know, right. And I I think if, if anything, like, um, and we talk about this with some of our friends, it's like with, with COVID, you know, with shutting everything down, you start to realize like what is meaningful in your life, what you want to do. Were you happy what you were doing? You know, you could be working in at this job and yeah, you were getting paid, but you're like, is this really my passion? So in a way, it put a pause, but it made you rethink about life and what you want to do next, or made you do things like you guys were like, you just started this podcast. Would would this have happened maybe during COVID? But it like pushes you to t- try to do all sorts of things and and to take chances. I I feel that's what I'm learning at still at 42 years old. You know, um, not second guessing myself, but just like just do it. If you fail at it, great, but at least you tried instead of having any types of regrets. You know, so. I think this is the time. This is the time for everyone to just, you know, pursue because we realize life is short and might as well do what you love, you know, and pursue your passion. So well said, Miguel. Thank you so, so much for your time today. Like Alex said, I I wish we could sit here and do like a four part mega series, but we are so grateful to have you on. Um, to share your knowledge selfishly just to see your face and catch up because it's been far too long. But um, for our listeners, if they want to catch up, follow you, I know you're big on Instagram, but um, do you have a website or anywhere else or what's the best place to connect with you? Um, I do have a website. It's all on my Instagram, Um, Miguel. I'm a dancer, which is still funny to me that I created that when I was 18. And now I have to sign everything Miguel, I'm a dancer. (laughs) I'm 42. But anyways, that's it. And you can find me on Instagram and, and, and a lot of my information is out there. Thank you so much. We'll definitely do a part two. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. We love you. And congratulations on your podcast again. Thank you again, Miguel. Stay well. 